On today's episode, I'll be breaking down the Blackhawks' perfectly executed tank loss to the Detroit Red Wings, and I'll also be talking about where Taylor Radish and Philip Kurashev fit into the Blackhawks' rebuild. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Today is Thursday, March 9th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2, or you could also go and check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, do me a huge favor. Please go and show some support real quick. First, by following the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well on either Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And as I'll be telling you about after the first commercial break, you're going to have to do that anyways to qualify for the two free Blackhawks tickets that I'll be giving away against the Dallas Stars later this month on the 28th. So make make sure to stay tuned for that. Also, if you're watching the video version today and it's your first time checking out the show, Welcome. Please make sure to go and smash that subscribe button for me. It really does help me out tremendously. Hit the like button down below and also go and comment as to how you feel about Taylor Radish and Philip Kurashev and their performances so far this season and where you think they fit into the Blackhawks future. I want to hear what you all have to say about this topic as well. And last but certainly not least, go and ring that bell, turn on the push notifications, and that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each in every day. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you all again for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all again for making the show your very first listen here to start off your day. To kick things off here, folks, let's go ahead and dive quickly into the Chicago Blackhawks 4-3 loss to the Detroit Red Wings last night. And listen, Blackhawks fans, I never feel good about losing to the Red Wings, but this actually wound up being A-OK out of the Hawks last night, considering San Jose and Anaheim quickly have closed the gap uh, and have really done their best to tank perfectly in their past couple of games. Uh, Anaheim, by the way, for those who may not be aware at this point, some quick updates on the Tankathon standings. The Anaheim Ducks now sit at uh, 51 points through 65 games this season. They're fourth last in the NHL standings. San Jose is right below them in third to last with 50 points through 65 games. And then the Chicago Blackhawks entered last night with 49 points in 63 games. So they needed a regular loss in order to remain in second to last place and with some help from an old friend as I'll be talking about here in just a little bit that's exactly what happened the Blackhawks are still second to last in the NHL standings one point ahead of this or one point behind I guess I should say um, one point behind the San Jose Sharks and two points back of the Anaheim Ducks, although they do still have uh, one game. Both those two teams have one game, one more game played than the Blackhawks do at this point. They both played 65 games. The Blackhawks are at 64. So the Blackhawks 
certainly could use a pair of losses in their back-to-back this weekend against the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. By the way, the Columbus Blue Jackets are still the team that remains in last place. They currently have 47 points through 64 games, so the same amount of games as the Blackhawks have played with two fewer points. So the Hawks could also use a victory or two from the Jackets here over the weekend as well. But getting back to last night's game against the Red Wings up at Little Caesars Arena, out of the gate, the Blackhawks actually came through and scored the opening two goals of the game, both coming off the stick of Taylor Radish, who, spoiler alert, well, I guess not really a spoiler. You've all seen the title of today's episode, and I just mentioned it in the intro. Uh, I'll be talking plenty more about Taylor Radish coming up here shortly uh, later on in the episode. But yes, Radish was the one who scored both of the opening goals for the Blackhawks, his 15th and 16th of the season. His first goal came on the power play set up by number 27, Lucas Reichel, who uh, made a beautiful pass across the crease to find Radish cutting back door on a two-on-one. Looking forward to seeing Lucas Reichel making plenty of more dishes like that throughout hopefully a long and successful NHL career. But Reichel, with that assist, extended his point streak to three games, now has points in four of his last five NHL games total, really making the most out of his opportunities here in the last two stints. Um, And I'm really going to be interested to see how long the Blackhawks plan on keeping him up in the NHL level. Is it going to be, you know, for the greater portion of uh, what's left on the NHL schedule, or are they planning to send him down here sometime soon to let him get acclimated with Rockford and kind of have that team firing on all cylinders as they're making that charge for the Calder Cup playoffs? They look comfortably in the playoffs at this point, but uh, obviously you want that team to kind of be clicking and rolling and the chemistry to be as high as possible heading into the most important time of the season. So do they send Reichel back a little bit earlier because of those reasons? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. All I do know is that Lucas Reichel has been playing fantastic hockey, really uh, ever since he's been getting a top-line opportunity his past couple of stints, just looking more comfortable, more confident with the puck on his stick. And one other thing I've been really happy to see as well, Blackhawks fans, is Luke Richardson finally has been putting Lucas Reichel on the top power play unit. I really think this should have been the case. It should be the case every game he plays in the NHL. I mean, that's the purpose Uh, of what the Blackhawks are doing right now is trying to develop kids like Reichel to help make this franchise a Stanley Cup contender once again. Um, I I do understand that, you know, when Patrick Kane was still here, maybe that was a reason why Reichel wasn't slotted into the top power play unit. But now that Kane has gone, there's literally no reason for Lucas Reichel not to be um, playing and getting minutes with the top man advantage unit. So I like to see that change made by Luke Richardson. And yeah, we're going to have to see how much longer Reichel stays up in the NHL. He's in the midst of a three-game point streak right now as the Blackhawks head into Florida this weekend. Another guy who's on a three-game point streak uh, picked up a secondary assist on Taylor Radish's first goal is Andreas Athanasiu. Now has six points in his last six games as well. And something I've talked about on this show multiple times, folks, the past month, month and a half, two months, I really like 
I've really liked what I've seen from Andreas Athanasiu. I, I think he's been, the word that I, I've used about it is he's been more engaged, I feel like, on a nightly basis. He's been more active, involved in plays, just not having as many games where he was just a complete no-show. And after the contest, you're like, did Andreas Athanasiu even play tonight? Because he was a ghost out there. He really hasn't had many of those games here in the last two months, I'd say. So, um, it's nice to see him playing some better hockey here as of late. Unfortunately, I think getting off to that slow start in the first 30, 35 games or so, um, and then getting bumped down to the third line, didn't seem to be a whole lot of attraction around his name at the trade deadline. We didn't really hear his name thrown out there all that much. So uh, just kind of nice to see Athanasiu, regardless of what his future status is with the Blackhawks. Nice to see him playing some meaningful hockey, obviously, with a lot of the top six guys getting traded. Athanasiu is going to get a lot more ice time and a more meaningful role as a result. He's made the most of that here as of late as well. Uh, And then on Radish's second goal, I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Cole Gutman for picking up his first NHL assist on that goal. Kind of a a fluky one there for Radish, but hey, on a a Blackhawks offense that's usually challenged to find the back of the net, we'll take them any way we can get them. Radish's two goals put the Blackhawks ahead two to nothing after 20 minutes, but after the first period, folks, it was quite ugly for Chicago. The play was heavily favored towards the Red Wings. The ice was tilted, if you will. And let me read off some of the five-on-five stats in the final 40 minutes, courtesy of Natural Stat Trick, by the way, if you don't check them out. Uh, I keep up with that every Blackhawks game. It's just interesting to follow along with the five-on-five stats. They give you uh, line combination statistics, defensive pairing statistics. Great way to kind of take a deeper dive on uh, some of the things that are happening on the ice, which isn't so easy to uh, take in from just the eye test. But in the final 40 minutes, apologies for the rambling, the shots on goal were 29 to 10 in favor of the Red Wings at five on five. The scoring chances were 20 to four. The high danger chances were eight nothing Detroit in the final two periods and 14 to two total in the game. That's right. The Blackhawks had two total high danger chances in the entire game. Zero in the final 40 minutes. It was all Red Wings. The only reason that this game was even somewhat close, folks, was because of the performance from Alex Stalock in that he picked up right where he left off after recording his second shutout of the season on Monday against the Senators. Ended up stopping 37 of the 41 shots that he faced in this one to keep the Blackhawks alive, but there was nothing that he could do. The Red Wings came with an onslaught in those final two periods. Stalock was just trying to survive out there, but he really did a splendid job. And I found it kind of funny. I heard Charlie Romeliotis, frequent guest here of the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, he mentioned this on uh, his Blackhawks show uh, I saw on Twitter yesterday, how he was talking about when Alex Daylock was first signed by the Blackhawks, the thought and, and the mindset from a lot of the fan base was, oh, he's going to be perfect for the tank. I mean, he didn't even play hockey last season. The year prior, I believe he was with the Minnesota Wild. The numbers were absolutely atrocious. I think he even put up bad numbers in the AHL. Oh, he's going to be great for the tank. And then here's Alex Stalock, you know, legitimately being one of the best goaltenders in the NHL when healthy this season. Um, And he's, you know, Helping the Blackhawks, I mean, not really helping them, I guess, at this point of the season. The word I'd better use is he's kind of the reason why the Blackhawks haven't been able to tank maybe as well as the front office would have liked here so far. 
uh, down the stretch. So I just thought it was interesting that the mindset around Alex Stalock, like in a matter of what, six, seven months, who would have thought when the Blackhawks first signed him that he'd be like the saving grace of this team and one of the best goalies in the league legitimately right now. Um, but in all seriousness, that's great for Alex Daylock. He's obviously had to overcome so much just to get back on the ice and just to, to get this opportunity. And he's made the most of it certainly so far here in Chicago um, outside of Jake McCabe, maybe Alex Daylock. I know the, the games he's, hasn't been healthy often enough, but when he has been, he legitimately has been arguably the MVP of this Blackhawks team this season. So that was the reason why the Blackhawks were able to keep this game close. They actually did have a three to two lead in the third period as Joey Anderson, who was part of the deal, of course, that sent Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe to Toronto. He gave the Blackhawks a three, two lead early on in the third period with his first goal as a member of the Hawks, a nice little play right off of a faceoff win. Uh, Anderson gets it tapped off of Kara's stick and then shelves it past Billy Huso. Congratulations to Jujar Kara, by the way. I saw on social media today that uh, he proposed. I didn't catch the name of his now fiance, which shame on me. Uh, There's a dash one for Bushman. Um, Should have gotten her name. I apologize. But congratulations to the Karas for that fantastic news. Jujar picked up a primary assist on that goal last night. That had Blackhawks fans nervous down the stretch. Oh, no. Are the Hawks really about to pick up two points again here this evening? Nah. Detroit rallies hard late. They score two goals in three and a half minutes to steal it. Lucas Raymond ties it with a nice redirect. And then former Blackhawk Dominic Kubalik strikes for his revenge, beating Alex Stalock between the wickets for the game-winning goal. And honestly, this worked out perfectly for both sides. Kubalik gets to go home happy with the last laugh, thinking, I just dusted them for the game winner. Joke's on them. And not really, Kubi. We kind of wanted to lose that one anyway. This was a moment that worked out for both sides. Kubi gets his revenge. The Blackhawks get their regulation loss to remain in second to last place as they end up falling 4-3 to to the Red Wings late. All right, folks, that takes care of my quick recap of the Blackhawks. Four to three loss to their old time rival Red Wings. Coming up in just a moment, I'm going to talk about the future of forward Taylor Radish here in Chicago while the Hawks progress through their rebuild. But first, I need to talk to you all about FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Because if you're a new customer, you can get a no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you got to do is go and download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And for all you Bulls fans out there who are listening to this, you got to check out FanDuel for Everything you want to bet on from the money line to point scores, you can bet on threes drained from Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Io DeSumo, plus FanDuel even allows you to combine your bets for a chance at a greater payout with the same game parlay feature. Again, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out on the chance to get your first no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't hit. Hopefully we don't even get to that point, but all you got to do to take advantage of this offer is go to fanduel.com slash locked on. It's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
All right, folks, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Real quick, before I get into segment two, I do want to let you all know, just as a reminder for those who still may be somehow unaware at this point, your boy over here is giving away two free Blackhawks tickets to the game on March 28th against the Dallas Stars. And all you have to do in order to qualify, it's real easy. First, you have to either leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Bonus points to those of you that leave me a five-star review. And you also have to be subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. And the way I'm checking that is make sure in your review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, make sure to drop the name of your YouTube channel in your review. That's how I'm checking that you're subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. And you have to do both. You have to leave me the review. You have to be subscribed on YouTube in order to have a chance to win those two free tickets to the Blackhawks Stars game later this month on the 28th. So make sure to take advantage of all that good stuff. Thank you again for all your support. All right. Getting back into the good stuff, segment two, Taylor Radish, as I've already hinted, uh, with the Blackhawks playing not so meaningful hockey, to put it lightly here down the stretch, I figured for the rest of the episode, I would talk about the futures of two interesting pieces of the Blackhawks top six at this point in Taylor Radish and Philip Kurashev, because kind of breaking down what the Blackhawks have in their top six as a whole. Obviously, Lucas Reichel is the premier forward prospect that they've had for the last couple of seasons. Everyone's really excited about him. He's looked fantastic as of late, as I touched on earlier in the show. We know that he's a hopeful for this organization uh, to be part of the top six for a long time. Cole Gutman, someone who's been rising through the ranks here in the past eight, nine months, ever since training camp, really after the Blackhawks signed him as an undrafted college free agent, not an undrafted college free agent, an unsigned college free agent. Apologies for that. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be a top six guy. It feels like it's a little too early to say for sure what his role is going to be. But of course, hopefully Cole Gutman could be a top six forward for the Blackhawks. But putting those two guys aside, the four other players the Hawks have left in their top six right now are Andreas Athanasiu, who in all likelihood is going to be hitting the free agent market this summer and probably won't be coming back with the Blackhawks. I mean, they do have the financial means to offer a very lucrative deal. Um, I don't know if they are wanting to do that at this point. I don't know if they're wanting to bring Athens to back, but uh, there is a chance. They certainly have the financial means to do so. But if I had to guess, Athens probably ain't coming back. And then for Tyler Johnson, feels like he's kind of in that tweener stage where he's probably not going to see the better days of this franchise. Unfortunately, he's just kind of one of those veterans that's going to help guide us through the rough years. As sad as that is to say the other two pieces, the Blackhawks have in their top six right now are Taylor Radish and Philip Kurashev. Let's start with Taylor Radish. Uh, Two goals last night for number 11 gives him 16 now on the season. He leads all Blackhawks players in goals now. Um, And so far, looking at his numbers since being acquired by the Blackhawks, in 85 games with Chicago, Radish has tallied 22 goals and 16 assists for 38 points. So kind of uh, an outline for a whole season there a little bit. 85 games, it's an 82-game season. Probably... If the Blackhawks were a bit better and he was able to play with better players, you know, not just after the deadline, playing with what the Blackhawks have left, if he was continuously playing with 
uh, a Sam Lafferty or if Jonathan Taves was healthy or if Patrick Kane was still around, Max Domi, yada, yada, yada. I think it's fair to say that at this point in Taylor Radish's career, he's a 40-point scorer in a full type of season. Now, he is 25 years old. He He's kind of in that tweener stage of development as well, because really what he got with the Blackhawks at the end of last season and this this year has kind of been his first legitimate shot in the NHL. He barely has over 100 NHL games under his belt. So 25, well, you'd prefer him to be, obviously, Philip Kershev's age and maybe 23. I still feel like Radish... Um, it's a little bit early in his NHL career to, to fully say whether or not he's going to be a successful, you know, second line player, third line player. He's, he's going to be an interesting one, but I do really like a lot of things about his game at this point. And the thing that he, it keeps coming back to me is he's barely played over a hundred games. He's only got 85 games here so far in Chicago. I really like his size. He's one of the few forwards that the Blackhawks have had in their top six the last few years that actually has some size and skill combination. Like Radish is physical along the boards. He's not throwing his weight around and laying people out. no but he knows how to use his size to his advantage. And he also goes to the net with a purpose. And he's had a pretty done a pretty good job in a net front presence role on the Blackhawks man advantage this year. I, I like his scrappiness. I like his willingness to go to the dirty areas. And then I think his best asset is his goal scoring ability, whether that's right in front of the crease. I also think he's got a deceptively good shot and release. We've seen him snap some shots by netminders. He just kind of, it kind of feels like he knows where to go to score goals. Now, I don't think he's ever going to necessarily be a 30 goal scorer in the NHL. Maybe that's his absolute ceiling if everything goes well, but I still feel like Taylor Radish could potentially be a 25-25 guy if everything goes right, if he develops properly. A 50, 55 point guy. I feel like that's the peak ceiling for Taylor Radish, but I, I feel like as the Blackhawks get better, it's going to be tough because as I mentioned, he'll, he'll be like 27 and 28 years old. The Blackhawks are going to have to remain patient with him, but I feel like they are going to be patient with him. I feel like Taylor Radish is one of the few guys who, uh, you know, that, that they've actually been able to kind of develop here at the NHL level over the last couple of years. It's been a lot of development going on down in Rockford. We've seen the developing development happening up here in Chicago with Radish so far. And he also has, after this season, he's still under contract with Chicago for one more year. And then after that, he's still going to be a restricted free agent. The Blackhawks are still going to hold his rights. So for those reasons too, I feel like the Blackhawks can afford to be patient here with Taylor Radish. So I, I like a lot of the things that he has and can bring to the table. Um, a decent skater, not a not a great skater, a game-breaking skater, but I think he skates well enough to keep up. Um, I, I just like the size, the physicality, the willingness to go to the dirty areas along with the goal-scoring ability. He's not a great playmaker. He's never going to be a, a true setup man in the NHL. It feels like a lot of his assists are secondary assists, and uh, he's more on the receiving end of good feeds and not the one dishing them out. But I like Taylor Radish's game, and I do think the Blackhawks should continue to be patient with him. I do think 
he could be a third liner for the Blackhawks when their competitive window hopefully opens back up in two, three years down the road. Taylor Radish will be 27, 28. At that point, he'll have more NHL games under his belt. He'll be more experienced, a little bit more of a true veteran. So for those reasons, I think the Blackhawks certainly should be patient with Taylor Radish. He's going to be very cheap financially. Maybe that draws some interest for another NHL club at the end of next season, given that, you know, he's signed for like $750,000 right now. Could be a cheap ad for a team at the deadline, and he'll also only be a restricted free agent after that. I I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening, but I think the Blackhawks should be patient with Taylor Radish. It feels like he could be the next kind of breakout guy for Chicago. I know it's a different situation than what we saw from Brandon Hagel, who didn't really have any expectations whatsoever when he first came here. Same with Sam Lafferty. I feel like those two guys were in different spots, but I feel like Taylor Radish is someone who is going to get a lot of opportunity to play here in Chicago, and I believe he has the game to make the most of those chances. I'm really excited to see Taylor Radish and hopefully the stride that he's going to make next year, as this truly was his first legitimate NHL season. Um, I, I just think it's going to be a fascinating case to see how the Blackhawks handle him because um, he's at that weird stage where do they want to be patient and keep him around? I personally think they should continue to do so, but if he has a good first half next year and there's some interest at the deadline for another team and who knows what the return could be, there's a lot that goes into it. All I'm saying is I do believe in Taylor Radish's game. And I think the Blackhawks uh, should be willing to, give him all the opportunities in the world again next season to kind of prove that. All in all, though, as I've said, I still think top six might be a little far. I don't know if he's going to be a second liner on a good NHL club. It feels like third line is more likely, but he's got the all-around game, I think, the complete package to be a nice piece if you can put uh, good good, uh, good other players, good complementary players around him. So we'll see how the Blackhawks go about it. That's my breakdown of Taylor Radish's future role here in Chicago as they move forward through this rebuild. Coming up in just a minute, I'm going to talk about how Philip Kershev fits into place during the Blackhawks rebuild as well. But first, real quick, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? Well, then you got to try Built Bar. And what makes Built Bars so good, you may be asking right now? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate, and they have delicious flavors such as churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and plenty more. Plus, they only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in every single bar. And right now, you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club to get your Built Bars. You used to have to go online to purchase these bad boys, but now you can go and get a four-pack of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs from Sam's Club or Walmart. You can thank me later. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. All right, before I wrap things up, folks, let's get into Philip Kershev's future with the Blackhawks. And I wanted to talk about Kershev not only because uh, he's one of the two intriguing players in the Blackhawks top six right now that are not solidified into the rebuild. They're kind of the Blackhawks are hopeful for these guys, but I think Taylor Radish and Philip Kershev both still have things to prove 
albeit they're going to get the opportunities to do so. But for Kershev on Monday night, he scored his ninth goal of the season in the Blackhawks, 5-0 victory over the Ottawa Senators. That was just his first goal since February 15th and second since January 19th, his ninth of the season. Phil Kershaw has been playing top six, been getting top six minutes basically all year long. And kind of the story of the season is the same for his NHL career thus far. There've been a lot of ups and downs. And there's a couple of things that I come back to when I think about this. One being, you know, I think a lot of us do forget that Philip Kershev is still only 23 years old. He's not even going to be 24 until October. And for him to be a fourth round pick back in the 2018 NHL draft and to already have 184 NHL games under his belt. I mean, that, that's pretty remarkable. I don't know if there's another fourth round pick, even a third round pick, second round pick I challenge to, to have that many games played from 2018. I'm sure there's a couple, but Phil Kershev certainly seems like a diamond in the rough from the later rounds of the 2018 NHL draft. And I really do think the experience that he already has at a young age, 184 NHL games by the age of 23. I think that is really going to help in his development these next couple of years. Now, maybe he's never going to develop into a true top six player, kind of like Taylor Radish. I get the same vibes from Kurashev. I just don't know if they're going to be legitimate top six pieces on a Stanley Cup contender unless you have the ideal pieces around them. Um, I just don't, I, I don't see... Kershev ever having the true offensive game to be a top six player. But I do still think that he has a role if he can, you know, be a third liner that can provide you. I feel like there's, I don't want to compare him to Max Domi because they're very two different players, but I feel like that's the type of stuff that Philip Kershev needs to be adding to his game. If he's not going to be a consistent point producer at the NHL level. And so far through three years, Look, I, I've just said a bunch of great things about this kid, but at the end of the day, he's three years into his NHL career and the consistency still has been a major issue. And if he's not good enough offensively to be helping produce in a top six role, then down on the third line, as this team becomes a Stanley Cup contender once again, he can't just get by on offense. He's going to have to get stronger and get a little bit more physical and difficult to play against. He's going to have to kind of perfect his expertise on the penalty kill and have an all around game. And I, I think Philip Kershev has some of those capabilities. He is, um, you know, strong on the puck for a kid, his size, but I, I still think there's more to add for him in terms of the weight and muscle department, like feels like he plays a strong stick game, but his body and physicality isn't really there. I love his speed. If he can just be tougher to play against like Philip Kershev, feels like he could be a really good third liner. And who knows, maybe he does develop offensively a little bit more these next few years. I wouldn't put it by him either. I just, calling a spade a spade, I personally don't see it. The one thing that I always think about is just if someone shows you who they are, you got to kind of believe them. And Philip Kershev's gotten a lot of opportunities for this Blackhawks squad, particularly this season. And I know Patrick Kane even had a down year with Chicago this year, but look what Max Domi was able to do. Philip Kershev and Max Domi, two very different players, but still guys got chances and it feels like Kershev still hasn't fully take advantage of his, but I, I, again, with him being 23 years old, he is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the summer, but with the Blackhawks 
having his rights, it's not like he's going to cost an arm and a leg. And even if he did, the Blackhawks could do it. So I don't see there, I don't see there being any way that Philip Kershev doesn't come back. He, I don't think there's any way he doesn't come back this summer. Um, I get that he might not have wowed the Blackhawks organization at this point yet, but I certainly would not be quitting on him at 23 years of, of age. There's just no reason to go ahead and do that in the rebuild. But I think for both of these two guys, we just need to see it a little bit more consistently. And I get that that's difficult to do when you're not surrounded by a lot of talent. But for Philip Kurashev, one thing that I tweeted out after he scored on Monday, in these last, now it's 18 games, I'd like to see him score three or four goals, get to 13, 14 on the season. For Taylor Radish, he's now at 16 in these last 18 games. Let's get up. Let's at least hit 20, 21 goals for Taylor Radish. Be a 20-goal scorer in the NHLer. Those are the things that the challenges and the next steps these guys need to be taking because, as I mentioned, while the Blackhawks organization, I'm sure, is hopeful that they're going to be pieces of the rebuild, they still have stuff to prove here. The Blackhawks are in a position where they can be patient, but they're going to have to start seeing results. I think at some point next year, if these guys, you know, if you want to lock them in as true pieces of the puzzle moving forward. So I think it's just interesting cases for Taylor Radish and Philip Kershev, um, both restricted free agents, both not financially a burden to this Blackhawks team. Not that it matters. They can be extremely patient with them. But I think at the end of the day, we just need to see a little bit more before we all can feel confident about these two moving forward. So there's kind of my breakdown of Taylor Radish and Philip Kurashev. I think that's going to do it here for Thursday, March 9th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you all again for tuning into the show. And make sure if you haven't already to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free, wherever you may be listening to your podcast. And go and subscribe to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube. And you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Once again, thank you all for tuning into today's show. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for checking out the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.